Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever, and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Ben Labovich. Hi, Ben. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. And Ben's joining us from Lima, Ohio, right? Is that is that where you're at? Lima. Lima. Oh my gosh. I I yeah, probably yeah. I probably made the mistake that all the locals cringe at, didn't I? Yeah, and everybody outside of locals makes. <laughs> <laughs> and the crazy thing is I've driven right through uh Lima before, but I uh Awesome. You, uh, you, I know you invest in Cincinnati. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and two hours up, 75 from Cincy. Yep. Uh, and I, I actually, I lived for years in Cincinnati, but I'm getting ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, so, I, always, I always drive up from Cincy to visit my grandma, who's 99 years young in Flint, Michigan. And yep. uh, I, I always see the sign uh, to your town. So, But I've never stopped. So now when I stop... I know how to properly pronounce the town. That's um, correct. Re- really quick about Ben, he has a personal portfolio of over uh, worth over one point five million dollars in real estate with an annual cash flow of around forty five thousand dollars annually. Um, he started investing seven plus years ago and specializes in creative financing techniques. So with that being said, Ben, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Okay. Um, my background and, and the reason I'm involved in real estate is because I'm a professionally trained violinist. Uh, I went to Cincinnati Conservatory, uh, which is why I lived uh, in Cincinnati for years. Um, but I think it was the second year of my master's degree program, I discovered that I have something called multiple sclerosis, uh, MS for short, 
And uh, basically, it's an autoimmune disease that over time, chances are, I won't be able to uh, utilize my physiology as well as I as well as I can take for granted and, and, and thankfully still can. Uh, but uh, when this happened, uh, it got me thinking, obviously, uh, you know, if you can't work, you can't you can't move, you can't work, you can't you can't make money, you can't sustain yourself. Uh, kind of a problem. And so long story short, after a bit of research uh, and kind of eyes wide open looking around, I arrived at real estate, real estate in terms of passive cash flow. Uh, this is why I don't flip because there's nothing passive about flipping. Uh, I don't really wholesale because there's also very little passive uh, about wholesaling. Uh, I am, you know, what we call fundamental investor. I buy stuff to hold uh, and to use for a prolonged period of time. I, uh, you know, I, I'm a cash flow guy. And that's pretty much maybe defines me. I have been, you know, I started out by bought a few houses, a few SFRs, didn't like it because in Lima and in most places in Ohio, it's very difficult to generate meaningful cash flows on, on single family. Uh, quickly switched to small to mid-sized multiplex, and now um, my interest is in syndication, larger apartment complexes such as yourself. Nice. Uh, well, first and foremost, my thoughts are with you beating MS, if whatever, the best treatment out there that's available. I hope you do well with that, and my thoughts are with you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll take all the positive thoughts I can, uh, I can have. I'm fortunate, uh, you know, uh, the doctors don't really understand the disease very well. Uh, there is no treatment for the disease. It, it progresses fast in some people, slower in others. I have been fortunate, uh, you know, my diet is good. I take care of myself. I try to exercise. I, I am 39, so it ain't like, you know, spring chicken anymore. So <laughs> stuff hurts that I didn't know I had before <laughs> when I was 29. But at 39, stuff hurts. But that's okay. Um, by and large, I can't complain. It's um, I'm able to have wonderful family, two kids, beautiful wife, uh, just having fun, doing real estate, teaching. Uh, it's it's all it's all good. So, as a real estate investor, uh, you control you know one point five million dollars worth of property. Are those all single families or how is that broken up? Right. So, no, uh, they're all – well, first of all, when, I, when you say control, you know, I, I know that you like uh, a master leases, for instance, uh, which doesn't transfer ownership necessarily. I am a uh, deed holder kind of guy. Like I like to be the owner of record. Uh, no lease options, no – uh, none of that kind of stuff. Not that it's not valid. Of course, it's valid. You are a case in point in that. But I, I like to, if I'm going to put money into something to value add, to, to do anything, I like to own the asset. Having said that, most of what I have is multifamily. Uh, the largest building I have is a 10 unit. I've got a sixplex. I've got a couple of triplexes, a couple of duplexes. I only have I think two or three single families in my entire portfolio. So based on your experience as an investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Uh, be highly educated. Uh, real estate, 
is a full contact sport. Mistakes really cost dearly, monetarily, but more importantly, psychologically. Uh, real estate has broken a lot of people. And the difference between those who make it and those who don't uh, is education. That and perseverance. Uh, but we don't even talk about the second one because it's so hard to play this game that unless you know exactly why you're doing it and unless you're committed to that, you're just not going to do it. It's too hard. So we take that part of it for granted. Uh, there has to be an underlying why. I mean, it's a cliche thing to say, but it's totally true. You have to have a very well-defined why you're doing it. Beyond that, you have to have an incredible amount of education. Real estate is easy, but it's not simple, if that makes sense. Um, there are so many layers of perspective that we can apply when looking at things that it's incredible you never stop learning. But education is what separates those guys who make it and those who don't. What are some of the best ways to be educated in real estate? Uh, there are a lot of ways to be educated in real estate. Nothing quite replaces the school of hard knocks. Uh, education in real estate can and probably should be broken into uh, two kind of compartments. One is a literal knowledge of facts. The other is perspective, defining a perspective. Uh, perspective is the, 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 the focal lens with which we look at the facts and we extrapolate meaning out of the facts. The more perspective we have, the more the facts can tell us. Now, the facts of the matter, I can teach and I do teach people the facts of the matter in a couple of months. There's, it's not rocket science. It's, you know, it's, it requires a little bit of math, but it's not rocket science. But the difficult part is the perspective part because that comes with experience. And unless you're operating alongside a, you know, an investor, an experienced investor who's, who's been around for a while and knows how to look at things and what to look for, it's very difficult. It is very difficult. And failure is part of the process. Sorry. Disappoint. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Best ever book you've read? It, I think it's Nickerson, How I Turned a Thousand Dollars into a Million or something like that. Uh, it was a book I checked out of the public library. I mean, everybody talks about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and all that kind of thing. But that's the book. He, uh, he literally outlined step by step what he did. And, and basically, what he did is parlayed the equity that he forced in these little properties and he, you know, kept, uh, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And that really stuck with me. I think it's William Nickerson, I believe. Is the cover of that book yellow? It might be. They've had several different publications and okay. I think there's also a follow-up book now. Right. So how I converted a million to 10 million or something like that. But the original probably came out, I would say, in the 50s or 60s, um, and I thought it was fabulous. I mean, it's very easy to read, and, and just it just chronicles what he did and how he did it, uh, which kind of accomplishes several things. It lets you know the regular, normal, everyday guy with a, you know, the right kind of knowledge uh, and the right kind of uh, uh, drivers, so to speak, the right kind of why, can do it. 
Um, and, and also it literally outlines uh, in so many ways a map of how it's possible to do it. So we all do it a little different and we all put a different spin on it. I have a course that I sell that I, you know, it's basically the same thing in a lot of ways. But that, if, you know, as far as a book, that was it for me. Best ever listeners, and I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it, Ben? Having children and what I've learned from it is that we can't control most of the things that are important. So therefore, we have to control the things that we can. Um, I'm a very mathematical and calculating kind of guy. Uh, and I like to play chess with life and project things as many steps forward as I can. The difficult part about doing that is doing it with full knowledge that we really don't have control. Uh, things will happen that we couldn't even fathom. So that's where it gets difficult. That's why life and business gets difficult. Is that, you know, why bother planning and executing and all that? If you know up front, you really can't control what others are going to do, what the circumstances are going to do. But you have to. You have to make yourself be that proactive guy in spite of realizations of global realities. Um, and it's tricky. It's difficult. But you got to do it. Best ever success habit you practice? My mentor, one of them, I, I've had several, I've been blessed. One of them has uh, uh, told me uh, that the only thing you need to be successful is to do the thing today better and bigger than you did it yesterday. That's really the basic philosophy of success. That's kind of how I practice real estate. I buy bigger and better deals than what I've done before. Uh, and I, you know, that's why I don't do a lot of deals because I'm not interested in managing gajillion units in a portfolio. I just want the good ones. And uh, that really stuck to me. Make sure that the deal or the uh, exercise you engage in today is more meaningful, better, bigger, more productive than what you did yesterday. And you are by default, guaranteed to be successful. Best ever deal you've done? Joe, everything I've ever done is zero down. Uh, I've never quite put money down, but I tell you, uh, the best one probably is that 10plex. I bought a 10plex in 2013. I've written about it on my website. I wrote about it on Bigger Pockets as well. The, <laughs> the pro forma indicated $1,000 of cash flow a month from that building uh, as was with, with those rents and those expenses. And I thought that I had value add component to push that to about $150 a door. Well, you know, the first year <laughs> I uh, netted out a $3,000 cash flow. Uh, the second year, that would be this year, I'm looking like $12,000 cash flow. And uh, that's with 100% financing and having put down 5300 uh, brought to closing $5,300 of cash. Uh, so that was, that was a nice deal. And the building is not fully stabilized. It's almost stabilized, but I still have a few tricks up my sleeve. So I, I don't know if I'll get to $150 of cash flow, a door in that building, but I think I can get close to it 
within uh, 12 to 24 months. And of course, uh, one of the big reasons why the cash flow isn't much greater is because of the 100% financing, which required me to take on a, a second, a balloon. So once that cashed out, uh, you know, this is going to be a fabulous looking building. So I would say that 10 plex, I call it symphony building, is probably my best my best acquisition to date. And from there, I'm just not really interested in uh, smaller deals. I'm that this is why I'm looking at syndication and uh, uh, underwriting 100 plus units at this point. So with the previous properties, uh, you said everything you've done is with zero dollars down. Um, and you, for this last example, you brought 50, a little over $5,000 to closing for closing costs. What is mm-hmm. uh, what are a couple deal structures from a high level standpoint that you've implemented to have the no money down and be in on the deal? Sure. So every every deal, obviously, you know, every deal is different. Uh, but all of my deals employ some kind of a blend of private and institutional money. Uh, so at times. It will be something that I will buy something with private cash and I will force appreciation within a short period of time and I will refinance based on an appraisal which is considerably higher at that point than what I paid. And the notion that it's higher is a um, premised on, on two things. One, I paid less than the intrinsic value to begin with at the front door. And two, that I quickly went in and made improvements both operationally and, and, and to the physical structures uh, that justified higher NOI and so the building could be uh, uh, qualified as worth more money. Uh, and that kind of structure usually takes me about six months to turn around. And once in a while, there's not really enough room on the appraisal to get all of the capital out, all of the acquisition capital plus uh, the rehab, whatever rehab I have to do quickly, in which case it gets interesting with substitution of collateral and, and breaking things down and blanket notes and umbrella mortgages and all kinds of stuff. So it gets interesting in a hurry how we collateralize these deals. But that's one way, kind of global way of doing it is you go in with private cash, you do what you're going to do, you finance the cash out as much as you can, and if you can't finance all of it out, you do something with it. Uh, The other structure is just to bring private cash in right at the front door. Of course, that's, you know, basically the syndication model. And, uh, you know, in that case... uh, you just have to have a track record with a lender that will allow you to uh, finance essentially property at 100% or close to it. That's what happened here. Best ever quote. Ayn Rand said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. This, this goes back to that perspective. I love it when newbies look at these single families that they buy for thirty thousand and they rent for five hundred dollars a month or five seventy five a month and on paper it looks like they're making two hundred dollars and at the end of ten years of ownership they're in a hole. It's called CapEx. And unless you've been around long enough to know what the heck that is, you won't know what it is. Uh and um so that quote is probably by far 
my favorite. And best ever listeners, uh, CapEx is capital expenditures. And basically, it's all the sneaky costs that come up on a uh, on an annual basis over time that you might not be accounting for. Um, for example, roof, um, parking lot, uh, different different fixtures on the property, that type of stuff. And you'll definitely right. want to factor that into your costs going in um, and have a a savings account, so to speak, um, that you're tucking away money for on an annual basis so that you can pay for that stuff. Exactly. Because it happens. I mean, sometimes people like to put their head in the sand and think, you know, this this water heater is never going to have to be replaced or this HVAC system is never going to have to be replaced. But it does. And, you know, how much you tuck away is a function of what you got, mechanically speaking, in that building, how old it is, of course, but also what type of mechanical setup you're working with. So it's a tricky proposition to try to estimate CapEx, but certainly you have to do it. And and a lot of people don't. And that's where people run into trouble because it comes out of your cash flow. And if you buy a building without accounting for these things, then you are likely going to pay much more than the building is worth. You're going to uh, encounter issues that you have to fix in order for the building to continue operating as it was intended but you don't have enough cash flow and you basically slowly turn into a slumlord, which is not glamorous. It's not recommended and it's not what either you or I do. Uh, that requires us, however, to have better deals because we're realistic about what all the costs are and a lot of people are not. A lot of people will pay more in their ultimate chase of yield. Uh, we will not. We have to get deals that make sense. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? So the second deal I've ever done lost me $20,000. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, you know, $20,000. Yeah, a lot of money. It didn't kill me, uh, but it wasn't nice. And it was it was a flip. That's what put into me kind of uh, realities of flipping and dangers of flipping in our parts, the Midwest. Uh, you're working on such thin margins. I thought I had the thing in the bag and it ended up just biting me. So that's part of the reason I don't flip. Well, Ben, thank you so much for spending time with the best ever listeners. It's really interesting to hear how you scale your business um, and the model that you use or ha you have used in the past with uh, you know buying with private cash, forcing appreciation uh, through some value add component getting it appraised at a higher value then ideally cashing out the private investor and then you are your your you and you and or your company control or own the property so uh i that that tends to be a theme um from the previous a, a couple previous guests that i've had on here and i think it's a really smart way of scaling a company uh because you're not using a large chunk of your capital. Um, obviously, there are expenses along the way to get the to make the deal happen, and then maybe some at closing. But when you're leveraging, you know, other people's money in an intelligent way, I think that's a fantastic way of scaling a business. So, thank you so much, Ben. I appreciate it. What's the best ever place for the listeners to reach you? Uh, my website: www.justaskbenwhy. Just ask Ben why dot com. 
And there's an email on that uh, website. I am, if I'm not there, I'm on biggerpockets.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, all the usual suspects. But the easiest and best way uh, is probably email uh, through my website, which happens to be Ben at justaskbenfly.com. All right. Well, thank you, Ben. And thank you for joining us from Lima, Ohio. <laughs> Talk to you later. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.